Hello there, Ninja Guy listeners. This is your host, Jesse Weiler, and we have another great episode for you. First, I want to remind you that we are now accepting applications for our degree programs. So if you're interested in doing a summers only program with us on campus or you want to do a distance uh, online degree, we have both of those options available. You can find out more about our degree programs at www.liturgicalinstitute.org. Come and join us. You can take classes with Dennis and Chris, and how amazing would that be? So this week we are talking about some of the new procedures on Ash Wednesday and distributing ashes. So without further ado, episode 17 of season 5 of The Liturgy Guys. Enjoy. I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. The Liturgical Institute is proud to present The Liturgy Guys. Uh, hello, gentlemen. Hello, Jesse. Hello, Jesse. How's I your forehead? You, it's great. I want you to get your ash and mass, okay? Wow. <laughs> we, <laughs> <laughs> what? Should we should we redo that one? <laughs> That's pretty good. I've never <laughs> seen Chris lose it before. That's pretty good. <laughs> I was thinking of a, a, a of a clever rejoinder, and then uh, just thought better of it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Yes, yeah. ashes and mass. What about them? Well, we just got this new uh, new thing. It's called COVID. a note. <laughs> a noto proprio. Oh, um, no, no new, Yeah, new instructions on the distribution of ashes uh, during a, a global pandemic. I don't mm. know if that's the name of the note, but it but is anyway. actually pretty close. Yeah, and it's really anyway, short. Yeah. Little note too. It's not like a major document. It's like a half note. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> well, just had too much, too much caffeine note? today. <laughs> well, anyway, so that's all I got. Why don't you guys uh, just discuss it for a little bit while I drink my coffee, and then I'll tell you when we're doing a quiz question. Yeah, Chris, say something smart. <laughs> well, what do you want? To, what have you heard about this note? Are you asking me? Anybody? Oh, what? I heard. I heard. You know what I heard? <laughs> I heard. <laughs> That we're no longer allowed to put uh, place the the those who are distributing ashes are no longer allowed to dip their thumb into ashes and make the sign of the cross on the forehead. That they are now to just sprinkle them on uh, like they are salt bay. Like they're what? You guys know what the salt bay is? That's a guy who like like eccentrically places salt on meat. <laughs> oh, Chris, you are out of it. Wow. Yeah, everybody knows I'm out of it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you're still supposed to sprinkle them on the forehead, uh, which is not what we customarily do in America, but they do do that in uh, other places of the world. So yeah, right. people are obviously in a tizzy about this because it's a liturgical uh, protocol, and uh, you guys are going to slap down the rule and, and – uh, yeah. And you know what my issue usually is on Ash Wednesday is that you have these priests who've done like 10,000 foreheads and they just put a smudge on your head, you know, and like, I want a real cross with defined edges. Now we're not even getting that. So uh, mm. say something, Chris. Mm. And yeah. here, here now, well, actually you say something, then I'll, I'll explain my okay. misgiving. All right. Well, a couple of things come to mind first. One, I wonder if we ought to go to the, go to the tape and see just, uh, 
Just exactly what it what it. We're going to do a play by play on play matches play. distribution. Play by play. As All you right. can see, Father Fred is approaching the forehead. Good form. <laughs> He's been practicing. So, <laughs> so uh, this this is uh, this is what it is. So this came out on January twelfth. Uh, and it's called a note, which is one of the things that's confusing about it. I mean, what is a, like, what's a note? Yeah. <laughs> like I a, thought motu proprio was confusing. This yeah, well, is. Yeah, exactly. So, man. yeah, that's one of the difficult parts about this. Nobody's, some, some, it's uncertain to some or many just exactly the the weight of this thing. Mm-hmm. But it comes from uh, the Congregation for Divine Worship, Cardinal Siraz, the prefect of that. Uh, and this is what it says. It says, uh, so it's called Note on Ash Wednesday, Distribution of Ashes in Time of Pandemic. So again, Jesse, you were pretty close on that. This is what uh, Cardinal Saras says. Uh, The priest says the prayer for blessing the ashes. He sprinkles the ashes with holy water without saying anything. So far, pretty, pretty normal. Then he addresses all those present and only once says the formula as it appears in the Roman Missal, applying it to all in general, either repent and believe in the gospel or remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return so again he's only going to say it one time for everybody who's in there he's not going to say it individually when people come up all right so then the note continues the priest then cleanses his hands puts on a face mask and distributes the ashes to those who come to him or if appropriate he goes to those who are standing in their places the priest takes the ashes and sprinkles them on the head of each one without saying anything Mm-hmm. I so love I note. love hearing that the word face mask is used in uh, liturgical instructions. Mm, you, you do. <laughs> so my first question, Chris, yeah, is is this an option for people who are worried about this, or is it a must, and you may not do it the other way? Dennis, uh, that is the uh, $64,000 question. Oh, I wish I had Yeah, answer. you know, we, we, a while ago, you. we were trying to, uh, and maybe we should bring uh, Monsignor Dempsey in to kind of mm, help us sort yeah. this out. We were trying to go through maybe with the rank of authority of different messages, whether it's a, a apostolic exhortation or a motu proprio. This is a note. What's what's less than a note, like a post-it or a voicemail or a text? What's yeah. I mean, what what uh, authority does it have? Yeah, yeah. No, truly, that's, uh, you know, I, th- I think people of good uh, goodwill and reason and, and orthodox faith, they're wondering this very same thing. Because I think a lot of, like, my, my counterparts in other dioceses, uh, were themselves already getting, you know, different uh, norms or suggestions or guidelines for Ash Wednesday, you know, that it included um, applying ashes as normal, you know, because then people are getting confirmed. We put the oil on the forehead, uh, but, you know, with, with proper hand hygiene and things like that uh, as a possible option. Uh, others had talked about applying ashes with an instrument that is like a Q-tip or a cotton swab or something like that but then you'd have to or a tuba a tuba <laughs> uh, then you would have to you know burn and discard appropriately all of these you know bag of uh you know cotton and things like that or you know something like this was was talked about long before i think the note came out many people observed i think especially if they had gone to school in rome that this appears to be the case although i've you know i've tried to find a good picture so i could like send out to the diocese and in rome it doesn't seem like they're sprinkling but they're actually marking on your hair or on the crown of your head or something like that 
Right. But is it only in America that we get the forehead cross? Other places they I get on the top about, of the head. I no, I don't know, but it sounds like it's not uh, a universal practice. But mostly, like maybe in Spain and Italy, that it's the on top of the head is the is the practice. Um, uh, maybe in Mexico, I don't know. Um, so anyway, so Das liturgy directors and bishops and pastors and whatnot were already, you know, really ahead of this, wondering how we were going to do that. And in fact, some of them sent out, you know, these multiple options and then the, the note shows up and that's what everybody's been asking is, does this mean that the sprinkling is the only option? Is that what they're trying to say? Or that the sprinkling is a preferred option among many or one option among many? Well, and can, that's can, what... To, can we go back you know, even further? What does it actually say that we're supposed to do? Does it Does it give any specifics about how to distribute ashes yeah yeah no it says quote the priest takes the ashes and sprinkles them on no no the no, head. no originally oh well you mean like in the rubrics and things like Correct. that yeah so if uh, what you'll find in the various rubrics and texts even in the uh, in the missal is uh it speaks of quote uh, ashes quote put on our heads or, quote, received upon our heads, or, quote, placed on the head. So it seems broad enough, at least yeah, in the, the missile. Important, the important thing here is that nothing is being done to eradicate something that was previously stated, right? This isn't going against anything that is specified in the original text of the right. That's, that's correct. And, you know, uh, well, before I go on, Dennis, do you want to say anything or ask anything? Well, I, I just did look a little uh, research, thanks to the interwebs, and apparently sprinkling, putting ashes on the top of the head is the norm in the Vatican and in Italy. So it wouldn't be much of a change for them. The thing for me is, why, if you're going to put ashes on everybody, no matter what way you do it, why not say repent and believe in the gospel or remember you are dust to each person as they come up, just like you did before? Why only say it once? Is that well, to keep from breathing on people? Yes, yes. I think some parishes uh they're doing communion like that now is the priest says once uh the body of christ and then everybody says amen and then nobody says anything as they go up to receive communion wow now, as far as i know no the holy see or nobody else is told places to do that but again that's just kind of the the strange state of affairs that we're we find ourselves in hmm. but that at least accounts for the, for the dialogue um but you're right. I mean, I, you know, the goalposts are constantly changing in this pandemic, aren't they? And uh, it seems uh, guidelines, you know, from the science change all the time too. That uh, what 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 accounts for being um, exposed to someone means you're within a certain radius for 15 minutes or something like that. So, so some say you know just a short exchange doesn't you know you know. Uh, at that but anyway that's at least uh, the reason behind it yeah maybe um, we'll see more people doing the old uh, ash and dash because they don't want to be around people that long yeah maybe but you know jesse to you know, to the point you were making is that at least uh what what the holy see is uh saying in their note is keeping within all liturgical norms right so in the past I mean, consider a lot of the Holy Week. Um, I don't know. I don't know what those were either. Guidelines from the Holy See. You know, there's no blessing of fire. 
there's no procession with the candle. There's no uh, entrance with palms on Palm Sunday. There's no veneration mm-hmm. of the cross. I mean, those at least are outside of the norm. In any given year, that that should those things would be called liturgical abuses. I think if right. you just decided to skip that. But what they're describing here is not that. It's it might not be according to uh, some country's customs, but it's keeping within uh, the, the the laws of of the uh, of the liturgy. So at least has that going for it. I think the reason people are getting so upset about this is because seeing the cross on the head, on the forehead, is such an outward sign of what we're doing. And so, you know, whether it's the right or wrong intentions or whatever, but that's what that's what people like about Ash Wednesday. They like to have that clear outward sign that I received ashes today. And, um, you know, for uh, it's the most attended mass in in the calendar that's not a solemnity uh, for for Catholics and Christians. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that's what gets people really upset because they don't get to do the thing that they usually get to do. But uh, it's nice to know that it doesn't actually, you know, go against, you know, the quote unquote normal protocols. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that, there's a reason why you put ashes on the forehead because it's a sacramental sign and and in some way, uh, it works like a sacrament and it bestows grace. And it's a mark of uh, your entering into this uh, Christian combat, which is Lent. I mean, so there, there's, there's, there's good, positive reasons why we do that. On the other hand, there's other reasons why you might not want to do that. So, for example, in these countries that do just sprinkle it on the head, you're right. You, you leave Mass and nobody knows you've been to, to Mass. But, I mean, do you, do you remember the gospel reading for uh, Ash Wednesday? It's about Jesus talking about uh, those who pray and fast and give alms like hypocrites. And, you know, they do it as a show so everybody can see. And uh, the last part is that when you fast uh, and when you pray, go do it in your room. And your father who sees in secret will reward in secret and wash your face is what Jesus says. Wash your face before you go out so you're not looking like you're fasting. So on the other hand, I mean, there's some there's some something to be said for that, too. Now, I've also seen, you know, I'm not smart enough to have noticed this myself, but a a lot of my, you know, good co-workers uh, in their efforts to try to help catechize about this, you know, uh, are are directing people's attention to, uh, this is in the book of Nehemiah 9.1. Now, I do know about this, and Dennis does too, of course. When a a church is uh, dedicated, the first reading is always from Nehemiah 8. That's when they uh, discover the uh, scroll. And uh, is it Nehemiah? Uh, Oh, it's in the book of Nehemiah, but it's Ezra the scribe, I think, finds the scroll and reads it uh, to the people. That's always the first reading for the right for the dedication of a church. That's Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah 9 says, The Israelites gathered together while fasting and wearing sackcloth, their heads covered with dust. Mm -hmm. And so... There's kind of some Old Testament precedent or foreshadowings. So it, it's not groundless or baseless, uh, and it is in keeping with the law. So I don't know, but there, there's a lot to be. To well, be this said Ash about Wednesday it. is going to be pretty good for us because we're all, we've all gotten pretty good at praying quietly in our rooms without <laughs> talking to anybody or being around anybody or demonstrating that we're fasting because we can't be around people. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the whole thing of fat sackcloth and ashes actually 
you know, I spent a little time on this just because I studied the idea of gems a lot. You know, gems are through scripture and heavenly Jerusalem is made of gems and the gems are the high priest breastplate and all that stuff. So basically a gem is dust, right? It's some kind of dirt, carbon or whatever. It's some mineral of the earth, but it's brought to perfection. And uh, if you look in the Old Testament, when the Israelites are in right relationship with God, he puts silk on them and gold and silver and gems. And when they do bad things, he says, take off your gold and just, you know, and, and put sackcloth and ashes. In other words, go back to the earthy stuff to remember that you're a creature and I want to give you these jewels, but you mess it up. And when you worship the golden calf, forget it. you got to go remember who you are. And so that's a kind of sign of, um, of repentance. You know, I did a little research on this, too. You know, the famous Father McNamara, uh, who answers all these questions. On the Zenith, other famous McNamara. Yeah, he's not me or related to me. Um, mentions that he, he, I guess, found out somewhere that traditionally women got ashes on the forehead and men got ashes sprinkled on the top of their head. And he thinks because the women had veils on, right? It would mess up their head or it wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't go on their head. And that eventually it became, you know, on the forehead for most people or it became on top of the head for most people. Women, women weren't wearing veils anymore. So I think one of the lessons here is sprinkling on top of the head is actually not outside of the tradition. It's uh, maybe it's slightly different from the recent custom. But you have this basic idea Remember your dust. Remember you're a creature. Repentance is about you're not God and God is God. And um, I guess if you can't have people breathe on you, then you can't say the words. But that's yeah. a pretty small price to pay to actually be able to receive ashes, I would say. You know, while you're saying it, Dennis, it reminded me, too, is that, um, you know, what dust and ash, I mean, it com- it's related to the word uh, human or humus. Yeah, like that, right? humus. Uh, uh, hey, we're not doing an etymology podcast today. Uh, Come on. And uh, also humility. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, you know, there's so many things I find, maybe you all do too. You go to mass, there's so much to be like irritated about. You know, you're wearing the mask and you can receive communion this way and you can't sing this. And there's, you know, uh, it is this hand sanitizer where the holy water font used to. Uh, there's enough to, to kind of get your skin. reaching for the ceiling with uh, their arms so under their heads. <laughs> But I mean specifically uh, uh, pandemic-inspired. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, all right, so chalk this up to another one and go to Mass and make it an occasion to remember your humanity and your humus and your humility and that you came out of dust and that you're returning to dust. And I don't know, maybe this is Pollyanna here, but just, to, you know, double down uh, with these irritants that... Uh, that we might be encountering and uh, make your prayer and your beginning of Lent doubly powerful and efficacious. Right. Yeah. COVID reminds us we're not God, right? No matter how much science we have, we can't solve this thing immediately. And uh, that's the whole point of penitence is to say, oh, I'm not God. I want to be God. I'm going to back down from my own pride and uh, surrender to him. So. Yeah, yeah. If you really wanted a sacramental sign to help say that, well, you're going to get one this Ash Wednesday. It's not <laughs> going to be like you like it. All right. But uh, again, this like so many of these uh, uh, pandemic liturgy questions. It's how how to bring together kind of the liturgical integrity of the rite with the uh, prudent uh, precautions uh necessitated by the pandemic i mean because it, it's it, it's it's uh it's an art um how how to do that so anyway you need a good liturgical education from the liturgical institute and dr mcnamara to help 
sort through all of that. Yeah, and Dr. Karstens and Dr. Weiler. Anyway, so happy Ash Wednesday. Know that uh, this is what you might encounter out there. As I say, uh, it's it's unclear to to some, I think many, you know, whether this is a suggestion or uh, a mandate. And so, you know, I... you might encounter different things just just because it's a little bit uh, unclear. But uh, anyway, go with it. Take a breath. Be, relax. Yeah. Be human. So in the end, you can be divine. All right. Oh, that was beautiful, should, Chris. Damn. You should div- humanly answer a divine question, I think. Mm. Or vice versa. Even better. Oh, yeah. Nice. So why go to the Liturgical Institute? Well, if you want to serve the church and do liturgical studies from the heart of the church, you won't find any place quite like this. This place is faithful to the magisterium, but it's a dynamic orthodoxy, not dry. And at the same time, it not only makes the faith come alive, it also empowers you to help that be the experience for others as well. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Hahn, and I want to warmly recommend the Liturgical Institute for your consideration. Pray about going and studying and sharing the richness of our living tradition. Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? All right. This week, we have a question from Rebecca. Rebecca says, hello, liturgy guys. Hello. Hello, Rebecca. Becky. Becky. Yeah, you, you must <laughs> know her. Rebecca? <laughs> Re-Becky. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Harking back, harking back to the etymology podcast. I see that. Uh, Rebecca says... When I enter a church, I see some people genuflect before entering their pew, and they do the sign of the cross while on one knee, and some people just genuflect without making the sign of the cross. Which is the proper way to genuflect before entering your pew? Mm. Mm. I, I, I could say so. I have also had this question. <laughs> How do you do it, Jesse? Well, uh, Father Martis, when he was here told me that they're, the sign of the cross and the genuflection is two separate things. So so I just genuflect, but usually as outside the pandemic, when I, end, when I actually enter the nave, I'll dip my hand in the holy water and make the sign of the cross. So that's mm. the sign of the cross portion of entering the church. And then when I, before I enter the pew, I will just do a genuflect. I'll genuflect without making the sign of the cross. Dennis? I just genuflect without the sign of the cross. Um, I just never learned that. I think it is a pious custom that's not bad, but it seems to me that it's two things merged, which is not wrong, but it's not, I would say it's not required for genuflection. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, as far as I know, there's no place to look up how you're supposed to do a genuflection. So there's not, it's not a matter of following a rubric or anything like that. Yeah, I, um, genuflect means literally knee, right? Or does it come from? It's based off of knee. You know, I, I don't remember what this says, unfortunately, but uh, if you have a copy of uh, The Spirit of the Liturgy by Cardinal Ratzinger, he has a section in there on kneeling and genuflecting and uh, prostrating oneself, and there's some really good theological content Yeah, because when you, when you enter an adoration chapel, I see people get down on both knees, and then they'll do a bow. I mean, there's yeah. some type of different... Cust- are those just customs? Are they prescribed? Yeah. Well... 
that I don't know. I mean, what's prescribed now, uh, so this would be in the, the ritual book called Holy Communion and Worship of the Eucharist Outside of Mass. It will say at least the ministers genuflict only on one knee, even in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament exposed. Now, if you know you want to do that as kind of a private citizen of the uh, heavenly Jerusalem, you can do that. But the ministers at least always only genuflect on one knee. So yeah, that's kind of a different type. Because there's a two-knee genuflection that people do when they come or go from adoration or the Blessed Sacrament yeah. exposed in a monstrance, which I guess is not required, but is sort of ultra-pious, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, again, the ministers are told explicitly it's only on one knee. As whatever the faithful do is, could be something different. Right, and there actually is a little bit of legislation on this if you look in the general instruction 274 and uh, 275. It says, a genuflection made by bending the right knee to the ground signifies adoration and is therefore reserved for the most blessed sacrament as well as for the Holy Cross, uh, you know, at Easter, Triduum. So that's interesting. Right knee doesn't say anything about the sign of the cross. Um, and then it says when you pass the blessed sacrament in the sanctuary, the uh, priest, deacon, and other ministers genuflect when they approach the altar, when they depart from it, but not during mass itself. So that's uh, interesting. And, you know, it, most churches now have the Blessed Sacrament in the body of the church again, but there was a time there, and some churches are still doing that, where the Blessed Sacrament's not in the church, it's in a separate chapel, but people come in and genuflect anyway, which just kind of shows they maybe didn't know why they were genuflecting <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> it's not just the thing you do when you enter church, it's actually a sign of bowing before Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. So, no tabernacle, no genuflection. Have you ever genuflected before you go into your seat at a movie theater? I have been tempted to do that at times. <laughs> No, no yeah. comment. Although, you know, also, now that I've gotten the habit of bowing my head at the name of Jesus and the saint of the day in Mass, sometimes I find that they say Pope Francis and I want to bow my head. This is the good thing. It gets in your, uh, in your, your body even before it gets in your brain as it develops a habit. Well, can, I, can I ask a, uh, like a follow-up question? Sure. Let, let's say, not me, obviously, but let's say one would enter Mass late and the Mass has already begun. Mm. Would that change any of this? Because now it's not the Eucharist or the presence of the Eucharist, it's the altar, correct? And would you genuflect to the altar? Would you just bow before you go into your pew? Again, not me. Uh, just if, if some of those, yeah. those some, other people somebody. I see coming yeah, in. Yeah, with, you know, the, you know the ones that are like 10 <laughs> kids sauntering in late, Yeah, like the Karsten family. Yeah, well, you never genuflect to the altar, ever. You bow to the altar. So your question is, when you come in, are you acknowledging the Blessed Sacrament or are you acknowledging the action at the altar? It's an interesting question. What do you think, Chris? Well, at least in terms of the ministers in the sanctuary, generally when Mass starts, the attention is focused more towards the altar. So they are directed to bow to the altar rather than genuflect to the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle. So maybe by extension... You could say the same thing for. But don't they genuflect women. in the procession? No, you're not supposed to genuflect in a procession. That's explicit. That even if you pass in front of the Blessed Sacrament, you're not supposed to genuflect. But they do it's genuflect like, once in the way in, right? Yeah, even the priest yeah. Does that right. Oh, That's what I'm the, talking oh, about. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so where are they just, genuflecting to? To the tabernacle or the not the altar? Then I guess. Right, they'd be genuflecting uh, to the uh, to the tabernacle. But after uh, after that. You know, there's no genuflections during Mass. Right. I mean, if, if the priest or deacon takes the Blessed Sacrament out of uh, the tabernacle before communion or puts it back 
after communion, he would, he would probably genuflect uh, at that point. But well, the, the, the priest ju- has a few genuflections yeah, right, right, okay, in the course of the Eucharistic prayer. But three, going back and forth uh, between you know the nave is usually doesn't have those genuflections. So what, yeah. should, what should I I mean somebody do if you enter Mass? You, you should yeah. tell those people, Jesse, just to get there on time and it won't be an issue. Okay, got <laughs> I would say I would say my gut says you get you you just genuflect. I mean that's what I would do, right? I don't know if it's right. But you're acknowledging the presence in the Blessed Sacrament and then you enter into Mass. Um but it's an interesting question. I don't know. As they used to say in the Dominicans, it's one for the doctors. That means, I don't know, people smarter than me would probably have to decide, or smarter than I. Yeah. And with that, I guess our time is up. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Rebecca, I hope that we provided mostly clarity and less uncertainty with the answer to this question. And if you want to ask us a question, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com or tweet us at liturgyguys. Thank you, and God bless. The Liturgy Guys is brought to you by the Liturgical Institute at the University of St. Mary of the Lake, Adoremus, Society for the Renewal of the Sacred Liturgy, and the Center for Beauty and Culture at Benedictine College. Now that's a podcast.